Hey there, this is Liana, and you are tuning in to Sharpen Her Iron, conversations with dope women. Ladies, first of all, I want to start off by saying thank you so much for the overwhelming support. I've gotten all kinds of text messages and emails and conversations just about how the podcast is really uh, just, it's good. It's helping your lives. You're gaining some like great nuggets from um, the ladies who've been on the show so far and just the dope conversations we've been having. And um, if this happens to be your very first podcast that you're listening to on Sharpen Her Iron, I suggest that you, after you finish listening to this episode, go back and listen to um, the earlier episodes. We are a little bit over a month into the show and it's just, it's really growing as um, I talk, I've talked about before. This podcast started off as um, just really just a, a burden on my heart or passion on my heart to bridge the generational gap and to bring women across the age range, um, kingdom women across the age range into um, a shared space to be able to grow from each other's stories and to encounter each other and therefore encounter God um, in new ways. And um, recently, over a month ago, decided to, to move what I've been doing in an event format and to bring it to a, a digital platform, which is why we are here. Um, I just want to say I am literally sitting on my bed. It's like midnight and I'm in my bedroom. So if the sound is a little, ah, uh, you get some background noise, it's because I decided to do this episode at midnight in my bedroom because I have the energy and my thoughts are just there. So I'm like, let's go with it. Today, it's it's just me. There's no no guest uh, on the show. It's me. It's my mind. It's my thoughts. It's some of my journey, my heart. Um, this month is May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And that term um, in general kind of just means a lot to me. Um, and uh, you hear it coined a lot more in our culture, but it's literally, I'm 32 years old and it's been kind of built into the fabric of my life, even when I didn't necessarily know it, um, from, from a very young age. Um, and so I decided that today I just want to talk a little bit about, um, what it's mean to me The the next couple of episodes are, I'm going to be interviewing, um, some therapists and some great people who do work around um, the mental health profession, but I wanted to give you all insight on what uh, this topic is to me, you know, um, and how it shows up in my life and how I have kind of been journeying through some of these concepts. Um, and so it's not necessarily linear. I just, I, I wrote down a couple of things that I wanted to, to talk about and I wanted to share um, as far as what does mental health mean to me? What is mental wellness um, mean to me? What are some things I've been through in my life that have kind of been some um, key transitional places that have really kind of shaken me up and made me realize I needed to kind of dig deeper and to take better care of myself as a whole. And it wasn't just about my body. Um, for those of you who know some of my some of my personal journey um, and other uh, of you who are new to it, I'm gonna share with you. Um, yeah, I have been on, uh, I've struggled with obesity the majority of my life. And um, at the age of 20, I decided that I didn't want to just exist, that I wanted to live. And I didn't want to allow what had been a stronghold or a struggle or a, like something that really heavily defined me as a person to continue to hold me captive. And um, 
deciding to lose the weight was always more than just about the weight. It was about my belief systems. What are the things that I have, um, the lies I had come to believe? What are the traps that I kind of stuck to these, these feelings of impossible? Um, and how so much of the work to overcome the battle with weight had more to do with what was going on in my head and my heart than it had to do with the food choices. Because if I could align my belief system and get it on track with, um, uh, uh, where I wanted to go, then my actions would follow suit. That doesn't mean it wasn't there. It was very difficult. Actually, it still is. But it's it's always it always comes back to what do I believe about myself? What do I believe about life? What do I believe to be true? And therefore, how does that inform um, some of the decisions that I made? So that's definitely one of the areas in my life that um, had to kind of, uh, if I can put it in a picture, I had to grab hold of my own mind. But it's been more than that, you know. Um, I'll tell you the first time that I ever, um, I guess I would say, experienced a crisis um, was towards the end of grad school. And I had already lost the weight by this time. So, yeah, the weight loss journey was a a journey definitely of of learning how to grab hold of my thoughts and to really... um, process my abilities and stop believing some of the lies and I and I think I unknowingly went on this journey of uh caring for my my mental and emotional health in a way that I never had before um but I didn't know that that's what I was doing at the time I just knew that I was fighting for my life when I became heavily aware of the role of like emotions and in relationship to how they also affect our physical body was towards the end of grad school. So I had finished my undergrad uh, degree in uh, Christian education and biblical studies. And then I took a semester off of school and then I went back for my master's um, in Christian apologetics, um, which is essentially, it means uh, a defense of the faith. So it was a, a master's program that helped me to uh, that talks about how like to articulate and um, to use scientific, historical, archaeological, all kinds of like evidences in our ability to articulate and defend the Christian faith. But that's not the point of this podcast. But a lot of times people say apologetics. What is that? So um, I decided to just go ahead and give it to you. But you know, Google's your best friend. So um, definitely go ahead and utilize that resource. But I I was towards the end of my uh, graduate studies and I didn't know what was going on. Something just started to happen to me. It's my last semester of school and I just, um, out of nowhere, I started feeling um, a weakness in my right arm. It was scaring the mess out of me because I did not know why. I was feeling extremely sad with no signs. I would wake up in the morning every day. I would go to bed. It was This happened for a couple weeks straight. I would wake up really, really sad, like crying, didn't know why I was crying. I was really sad. I was overwhelmed with sadness and it was scaring me. And then I was also feeling weakness in my body. And it was, I was nervous about what I was going through, but I was even more afraid because I didn't know why I was going through it. And um, after a certain amount of time um, of talking to um, different people in my life, because at this time I didn't have a therapist, I didn't go to a therapist. I went to the doctor, like the, um, the the health clinic at school, but it wasn't, um, they couldn't really find anything, you know, and that made me even more nervous, but I just was like really sad. And eventually a friend of mine who, um, 
is a therapist or she was she was, it was in her doc's her psyche program at the time her doctor psychology program she and i were talking she was talking and she's like liana it sounds like you have anxiety and i really didn't understand how i was having anxiety because there was nothing pressing on the forefront of my mind that i was thinking about that i felt like was causing anxiety but what she helped me to realize is sometimes there are things going on under the surface that we're not consciously thinking about, but they're still affecting us and showing up in a certain way. And I realized that I was coming towards the end of my grad school and I didn't know what next was going to look like for me. A person like me knowing what's next is really important, or at least it was at that phase in my life. And so, you know, of course, for so long, I had gone through like, you know, school, right? You go, you always know what's next, okay? You go from elementary to middle school, you go from middle school to high school, high school to college, college, and I, I took a semester off and went to grad school. So I think uh, what she was helping me to realize was that under the surface, I was afraid. And the closer that I was getting to graduation, and the closer that I was getting to my master's being over, um, the anxiety, and the fear of the unknown was kind of um, living under the surface and starting to affect um, affect my body. And so the signs didn't go away like automatically, but I will say that being able to acknowledge the, um, the source of them actually did start to help um, ease and, and transition and change the, the, what I was experiencing because I was able to identify where it was coming from. And so, of course, I still had some some angst and some nervousness, but it wasn't showing up as sadness and depression the same way because I was able to identify, okay, not only that, but a, a change was coming. A lot of times we don't know how to deal with change well. And it wasn't just, uh, it was not the normal change because the other changes were from one semester or from one year in school to another. And this was going to be me stepping outside of the scholastic environment altogether and stepping into my, I guess you could say my adult life where I was adulting, right? I was going into my profession, not knowing what that next season would look like. And I think that was probably what was what was scaring me um, or what was kind of hovering under the surface. I know some of you guys who are listening to this, you can resonate, you can relate to that. You know what it's like to start to have um, emotional shifts on the inside of you before you even know what the root of them are. And then you start to realize, or maybe you go to therapy, or maybe you have very insightful people in your life that can kind of help draw things out of you and help you to realize that um, if you don't know, let me tell you that your emotions and your thoughts heavily impact your physical state, that your mental health and your physical health are very, very closely uh, um, related. They're not two separate entities. They communicate with each other. And that was definitely something that I was learning in that that season of my life. Um, fast forward, wow, not even that far, maybe. So that was the 2011. That was December of 2011. And then I ended up getting hired at my church as a pastor in uh, February of 2012. So definitely some of that angst started to go away because, right, I have a full-time job. I'm pastoring. I'm working in the field that um, that I went to school for in the first place, which could be kind of scary because there's, I mean, I guess no one that has promised or is definitely guaranteed a job on the other side of your degree. But I think some degrees are a little bit more certain of assuring you into a profession than others. 
and mine is one of those where you can go to school for seminary theology and get these degrees, but that doesn't mean you're going to graduate and immediately step into a pastoral role or step into a role that, you know, aligns with what you went to school for. And I think that was always part of my fear of deciding to follow the path God told me to go down, even when I didn't know how that was going to always manifest into a career, a profession, or an ability to actually create a living. And so, um, I mean, I, honestly, that's constantly a, a faith journey for me. So that was, to, so I got hired February 2012. A year later, um, but almost a, a little bit over a year later, March of 2013, my father suddenly dies. Um, he was not sick to our knowing. I'm At this time, I'm a full-time pastor. I'm a, I'm, pastoring, I'm a youth pastor at my church. And I get a phone call from my mom on um, March the 29th, 2013, which was in that year, March 29th was Good Friday. So two days before Easter, sitting at the dining room table at this point in time, I'm living, I'm living with my sister, living in my sister's house. So I'm sitting at the dining room table. I'm at home alone. It's Good Friday. I work at a church, so I definitely have Good Friday off. I'm sitting at the dining room table and I get a phone call that says, Lily, this is my mom. I pick up the phone. She goes, Lily, I tried to resuscitate your dad. Now, before I received this phone call, I had never had anyone die in my life extremely close to me. I lost my baby. I had a baby cousin who passed when she was six months. Um, I had a friend in college who had passed. Um, and that definitely was, it hit, it hit close to home. But this was the closest, is the only, the first family death. Um, that ever happened and it was my not just family it was my father it was my parent um, and so that moment I can say the Holy Spirit grabbed my mind in a way that I cannot articulate and God will do that sometimes God will grab your mind and he will keep you in perfect peace in a moment that could destroy you so in that moment I remember being on the phone with my mom and she goes, Lily, I tried to resuscitate your dad. And immediately I start saying to her, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? And I fell out onto the dining room floor and maybe for like 30 seconds, I lost my mind. For like 30 seconds, who I didn't think I was going to get emotional on this podcast. For like 30 seconds, I thought I was living in the worst dream ever. Like somebody... Like, what the hell is she saying? Like, wait, I don't know what she's saying. What do you mean? I can't, my mind can't compute. I can't articulate. I don't know what's going on. And I'm telling you. And then immediately, I broke. I snapped. But then, it's like the Holy Spirit grabbed my mind and said no. And I remember immediately I transitioned from flipping out to encouraging my mom. And I just started saying, we're going to be okay. God's going to take care of it. It didn't make sense because it wasn't coming from within me. It was like something took over me with this level of confidence and ability to start ministering to my mom. Now, I do believe that part of that was the Holy Spirit. I also believe that a part of it was a childhood portion of me. Now, I'm not going to go into depth in this part because I'm pretty particular about protecting other people's stories. Um, but there, it's also my story. So I'll, I'll, I'll stop and say when I was 10, my mom had her own um, mental health episode break situation that I can say 
heavily and highly affected me in such a way that there's a part of me that there's a child in me that feels like she needs to care for it, take care of and make sure that my mom would be okay. And so I think that there was like that child in me that rose up that was like, oh no, I have to make sure she's okay. And I think there was also um, the other part was like the Holy Spirit protecting me. And there was this combination. Of course, there's no perfect science, but I really know that that's what took place in that moment. But my point in bringing this up is that God will do that for you in these moments, but that doesn't mean you don't still have to navigate the journey after the fact, right? The journey of getting, going through your grief and going through your pain and your emotions. Now, remember I told you guys, I just got um, licensed and, and recently ordained, licensed as a, uh, a minister the year before, and then a month before my father passed, I was ordained as a pastor. This is important because my father's funeral would have been the very first funeral that I had done as a as an ordained minister. And I felt like an ordained pastor. And I felt like, oh my God. Now, if, for the sake of context, my dad did not go to church like that um, for a while. And so I was like, there's no one's going to give my dad some generic funeral, um, some generic eulogy. Like, it's on me. I'm going to do this. I was the closest thing to a pastor he had. Like, when my dad came to church, it has had to have something to do with me. Like, anyway, so I'm literally didn't know he was going to pass, right? It's immediate. I'm in the middle of pastoring these kids. This is the greatest level of pain I've ever experienced in my life. And I had determined I'm about to eulogize my father. Talk about a no, I was ushering myself into a season of heavily having to take care of my mental health. Now, keep in mind, I do not believe that mental health or mental wellness is only surrounded by tragedy or crisis. I think it's like physical health. It, it It's on the spectrum. But for the sake of explaining to you guys the journey I went on and some of the major points in my story that kind of shifted me and took me on into a particular path, I think it's very important for me to highlight that these were moments that shaped me and shifted me um, and intensified my awareness of the need to take care of more than just my physical health. It was more than just about weight loss. It was more than just about a diet. It was about what is happening in my mind and in my heart and how am I going to continue to move forward in life when one of the biggest um, chunks of me um, as a person has been removed from me. I'm getting kind of uh, emotional on this podcast. <clears throat> I, didn't, I didn't think I would. I think sometimes you think you tell a story uh, long enough that you get used to it, but I guess it doesn't work like that. You don't know how grief is going to show up. You don't know how pain is going to show up. And you, I think also, I think I'm, I'm coming to terms with like, wow, I've, I'm much stronger than I give myself credit for. I think that sometimes in my life, I put so much pressure on the weight loss journey that I don't step back and realize how much I've, I've really overcome and I've been through. Um, so talking about <clears throat> talking about my father, um, yeah, like I lost a very large portion of me, but at the same time, I have to. I felt like I had to be strong. I had to be strong for my siblings. I had to be strong for my mom. I had to be strong for my family. Whether or not they put this pressure on me, this is how I felt internally. And I felt like I got to make my father, I got to do my father right. I got to get up there and I got to kill it. I got to do this eulogy. Like I get to eulogize this black man and I'm going to give him everything I got. But as many people know, when you lose a person um, or death happens in your family, 
you know, the hardest parts aren't always getting through the funeral or getting through um, those memorial stages. It's about the after fact, right? When, when, when the noise around you has silenced or slowed down, but the noise in you intensifies in ways that you had no expectation that was gonna is gonna happen. That being said, 2013 became one of the darkest years of my life. And it actually was the year that I started going to therapy. Um, and it was interesting how therapy came about for me. Um, you could have never told me 2013 was going to be the year that it was for me. And um, so, yeah, I usually just tell people, you know, I lost my dad in 2013 and that was when I started going to therapy. And that's usually how I tell the story. And not that it's not true. I'm just using not transparent about really what that year looked like for me. But I also think part of um, authenticity is also being okay with what you're not okay or ready to talk with yet. Talk about yet. But 2013, like I said, I was pastoring at the time. A lot of pain. Like it was really difficult to get up and um, preach to these kids while I was experiencing my own pain and my own loss. But I also realized that part of um, my job in their life was to be real. So I didn't have to hide my tears. I didn't have to hide my pain. That they can see that when they lose something or when something tragic happens in their life, that it's okay for them to feel it too. And I think that 2000 year at 13, I think the best thing that I did for my kids was I let them see me hurt. Um, and that's especially important, I think for kids in general, but definitely for people in general, but definitely for black kids. Cause I think that sometimes we grow up with this kind of shake it off. You're strong or the definition of strength is the lack of showing emotion and the lack of showing our pain. And I believe it's the very opposite. It's the ability to own it, to allow it to be present and to allow it to shape you, but not destroy you. Um, and so I think to be able to be in a position where I am, um, literally molding and shaping, um, teenagers, um, that the best gift that I gave them that year, because I really didn't have a lot of words. I didn't have a lot. The best thing I gave them was I showed them how to hurt and to press into God and not necessarily to run away from him. So, um, and that was modeled. That wasn't really my words. That was really my actions. Um, so that year though, um, I believe that pain has a way to pain and confusion have a way of, um, ushering in other things or having you in a very vulnerable position where you don't realize what's going to come, what's, what's going to come. And I think the, the loss of my father, the pain of that, the, 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 the pastoring still in the midst of that. And just like a lot of things are going on, um, in that I was in a very vulnerable position in my life. And I started to, um, make decisions that I just never thought, never thought would be my story. Um, and this is the part where I'm like, 
I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet to go into details, and I think that's that's okay. But I'll just give you guys like a broad stroke. Um, and that was I found myself in uh, I'll call it a love triangle. I don't even think it was love, but in a situation that really broke me. It it, it broke me um tremendously, and um I think that's what got me into therapy. I remember um I was just really really broken and really really sad, and just in a lot of confusion making you know decisions that I just was like how is this my life um and I think also our own brokenness and our own decisions um uh, allow us to step back sometimes and you know you ever been in those places where you're like how can this person do this or how can this person do that or you know how can she cheat on this person or how can they like you just you you ask these questions and you can become kind of judgmental about other people's moral failures until you find your own self in a compromising situation and you realize that you have the capability to make those same type of decisions and then even that makes you feel some level of shame or guilt or or whatever about yourself so it's not only that you're in these situ compromising situations and i'll just speak for myself but then the a judgment that you put on yourself about being there in the first place and I was just so lost. I was so alone. I was in so much pain. I think the fact that I lost my father helped to kind of give it a pass because I don't, I don't hide well, even if I try to. Like people can tell when something's wrong with me, and it's really difficult when people can tell something's wrong with you and you don't want to talk about it. And I think that my saving grace in that season of my in my life was the fact that I had lost my father, and so. Um, people assumed that that was a source of something's off with Liana. They kind of just chucked it up with, oh, you know, you know, her dad died a couple months ago and she's still going through that. I was very distant. I, I, I pulled away from a lot of my friendships. I was just very, I was in a lot of pain. And I think um, the brokenness of um, uh, what I thought was love at that time or just, it was a source of comfort. I don't know. It was a lot, but um, it really broke me. It broke me down. And I, I remember, I just started to feel like I was going crazy. Like I was sad all the time. I was depressed. I was making irrational decisions. My, my mind was just like in bondage. And I remember um, it was, it was really horrible. It was hard for me to get up some days it was hard for me to to process and now all of this is still going on in the midst of the fact that I am missing my dad and I am going through this pain and then I have judgment on top of myself because I'm like I'm a pastor and I'm a this and I'm a that and I feel like a fraud and there's just like all these emotions and it, it, it took me maybe about two years two to three years really really about a year and a half to just to really work through some of the, the, the pain and the um, trauma that I was experiencing and the turmoil. And I remember um, I was really broken. And I thank God for my for my, for my my mentor because I had never had a therapist before. I had never reached out for to a therapist. I had never really even, I didn't even know if I, I just, I didn't, you know, you're ever so tired that you don't even feel like you have the energy to get help because it just feels like another thing that you have to do. And that's where I felt. And my mentor, I remember um, I was just really, really, really broken. And I had called her one day and I could just barely, I just was crying. And I had just a really bad headache. 
And at this point in my life, I had started to get rashes and hives on my body. This goes back to me talking about um, how your mental and your physical health are, are in state of well-being are so closely aligned because everything that was going on in the inside of me started to manifest itself in um, really bad headaches. Um, it was one day that I was just really sick. I mean, like throwing up, just the worst sickness ever, and I didn't know why. Um, and but what really got me to the point where I realized that I need help was like I started breaking out. I was getting rashes and on my arms, and I knew, I knew where they were coming from. I knew they were coming from my um, my depression, my extreme, extreme, de- my extreme depression at that time. Um, but I just didn't know. I didn't know if I had it in me to get help. And um, my my um, I remember one day my, my my mentor said to me I she I called her was broke down and she I don't know if she came and got me or if I drove her I think I drove to where she was. And I was in the car with her and I just said like I did something I was like I gotta tell you something but you can't add, you can't pry you can't pry. Like, cause I, I just like, I gotta tell you something, but I gotta tell my wife, you can't pry. And then she's like, okay, just let me ask you this. Do you plan on hurting yourself or somebody else? I was like, no, because it was just smart. Like she can't make me that promise. Cause if I plan on hurting myself or hurting somebody else, she can't make me a promise like to keep that confidential or not to pry. So I just said, I said, I did something. Um, and what I loved about her and what I loved about that moment was she didn't, she stopped me and she said, Liana, it doesn't even matter. She's like, I I could I remember being in her car that day and she said, I it doesn't even matter. She said, I've already decided that I love you. And I need you to know that before you even tell me or if you're even going to tell me what you did or what you like, I love you and nothing that you say on the other side of me telling you this is going to change that and um just side note i think that that conversation that moment that interaction with her has heavily shaped the pastor that i am today because the way that she made me feel in that car is how i want people to feel when they encounter me that no matter what they're about to tell me, and I'm human, so there probably is some things you can tell me that I'm like, whoa. But for the most part, no matter what you're gonna tell me, that I've already decided you're safe with me, that I approve of you, that I love you, that we're gonna we can walk through this together, you know. And I think that that shaped that for me. But she didn't stop there. She can still see how this stuff was eating me, whatever I was going through. And she took a while before she even, you know. Um, um, like she didn't pry that day. She just, she said that she said some other things, but I just cried. I just listened. I didn't tell her anything other than I did something. I just needed to get that off my chest. Um, then she could still tell I was going through. And so she reached out to some friends of hers, um, to get therapy referrals. Now, even after she gave me the referral, it took me a while to, to call and to reach out. Cause I was just like, I don't I'm tired. I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know, you know, but I was like, all right, I'm just going to try. Now I tried this one place, called this one place, set up an appointment and I just didn't have the energy. I called them, canceled it, never showed up. Then maybe, um, I would say a couple weeks later, 
I decided to call the other referral because I was still going through, I was still feeling headaches and I'm a very um, action oriented type of person. Like if there's something I want to accomplish and somebody tells me there's a step I need to take to get there, the odds are I'm going to do it. So this was no different than that, except for the fact that I was emotionally and physically and psychologically drained. And I just felt like I had no energy to give. I had nothing left. I didn't have the effort to, sh to drive, to show up, to explain myself to a person, which is how I was feeling. I didn't know what they going to be like. I had never been to therapy. I never had a therapist, but I was just feeling drained. But I remember calling this lady and my first question to her before I even came was, um, you know, I asked her how much therapy costs <laughs> and she told me, I called her back. I left her voicemail and I was like, yeah, I can't afford it. I can't come. And <laughs> I don't know, but even her voice, it just felt like I felt drawn to her. Um, but then she called me back and she left me a voicemail and she's like, Liana, don't worry about it. We'll work it out. Just come. Now, this woman had never met me before. I had never met her. And I'm just like, if this person is willing to um, work something out with me, she's never even met me. You know, Liana, just show up. Like, you don't know what this can offer you. But what you do know is the state that you're in right now, you're dying. And I'll back up. One of the reasons why I reached out for help and I knew I needed to go to therapy is like I, I mentioned before, I have... Um, some um, some uh, mental health, um, I will say for me, uh, the topic can be a little scary. That I, I knew that I was not, um, what's the word where you're like, it, I was not um, un, unable, incapable of being diagnosed with something if I did not take care of myself. Now, I don't think that's how all illnesses happen. I think some things you can be born with, you have, you can have a predisposition to whatever, but because I, pre, because I saw it in my family, um, it scared me. I was like, man, you got to get help. Like it can be you, you know, um, like these signs right now, they're not, they're not, they're not good. These things that you're experiencing, like you don't want to snap. And so I went, I went to therapy and, um, when I first went there, I, I didn't know what to do. And so we just, our first conversation, I was like, listen, you got to ask me questions because I don't know what to talk about. Just ask me questions. I'm really good at answering questions. <laughs> like, I know that about myself. So she started asking me questions. She started asking me questions about my family history, my relationship dynamics. You know, I told her, she's like, why are you here? I think, I was like, listen, I think I'm here because my dad died. You know, and that's kind of where the conversation started, even though I knew the pain and the heartbreak and the, the confusion, like the things I was going on in that season in my life. I just was I wasn't sure she was safe yet. I wasn't sure that I was ready to talk to her about it. But a couple of sessions in, it started to literally just feel like my triangle. I mean, my triangle. It started to feel like my sanctuary. Um and um I started to just take the um the mask off and I was just like, "Okay, I know I told you I was here for this one reason, but I think this is why I'm really here." And once I told her, it was like all the feelings I was feeling about why I wouldn't tell someone, they weren't even there. Like she was so safe. She was so easygoing. She was so non-judgmental. She, she normalized my experiences in a way that the enemy, the devil would have me feeling, which he does this to us, very isolated. 
very um, alone in our stuff. We'll have a way of making us feel crazy, making us so it's like, don't talk about it. It'll shame us and make us feel like um, there's no room to um, to expose what we think are our secrets or our dark areas. And then for somebody to, to hear that, to receive that, and to still be like, all right, cool. Let's talk about that. Let's work through that, you know? And what started off um, in 2013, here we are 2019, six years later, and this woman is still my therapist. I don't go um, as often um, because I just don't need to. That's And that's fine. You know, it's kind of like um, the doctor. Sometimes you go a lot if you have an illness or something going on. Or there's other times when you go a little bit more spread out because it's really just about a, a wellness checkup, right? A check-in to see if, how's everything going. So that's how it is for me. I was going every week and then I, all the way now. I probably go once every couple months, once a month, just to kind of just have a... A check-in. Um, that was my entry into, I would say, therapy per se, but not necessarily. Like, I think you can you can take care of your overall mental well-being even outside of therapy. So I think the fact that I exercise almost every day and I'm releasing those endorphins, like that's a part of my mental wellness. I've incorporated um, massages um, into my life. That is, even though it's physical, it's definitely a part of my mental health. Um Regimen. I think um, I just started going to acupuncture um, uh, two two weeks ago, so I just had my second session, um, and I was experiencing some stuff in my body. Come to find out, it was actually a result of stress, and so literally my acupuncture, which I actually am like, I don't think this thing is a placebo. It's really helpful. Um, it it part of my acupuncture treatment just specifically focuses on stress relief and it <clears throat> and it helps so even though it's a physical like thing it's affecting my my it's helping my stress in my body which is helping how i feel about myself overall like these things are interconnected um i think another thing that's really helpful for me um is intentionally getting trying to get eight hours of sleep at night because when i sleep better i feel better when i feel better my emotions feel better and I am I can handle the day better like they're all intertwined I gotta say <clears throat> the number one practice in, or, or one of the best practices in my life in relationship to my mental wellness and my overall well-being is having the right people um, I believe that you have to keep people in your life that are good for your soul like you really got to evaluate your relationships and say is this person good for my soul or are they just here because they've been here you know, and I've kept them a part of the routine of my life, even though they're not adding any value. And I don't just mean like value, like money or opportunities. I just mean the conversations that you have with these people, you walk away feeling like a better person. You walk away feeling empowered. You walk away feeling like there was like some healing that took place in your heart and your mind as a result of your your exchanges and your encounters, your lunches, whatever with these people. I think that that's one of the things that are really good for your, for your soul. Um, and then sometimes just even sunlight, sunlight. Um, I can feel the, the natural light affects me in a way that's just really good for me. Like I need access um, to natural light. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things, but you know, this is really just me sharing some of, some of my journey and, and how I've kind of wrapped my mind around um, what it, what it looks like or some of the triggers, some of the things in my journey that have, that have kind of pushed me into um, being intentional about my mental and emotional well-being um, 
and of course spiritual um my relationship with god fundamental you know foundational but i think if you read the word of god you'll see these principles highlighted um very clearly it's not an either or um so yeah um i'm just really still in this process of really figuring out um on an ongoing basis it's okay to continue to learn yourself and to learn for liana to learn liana and i will say i'll say this thing though people that are good for yourself but also learning how to be good with you like one thing I've, I'm really good at is being with Liana. And I think that that is an, an integral and important part of your well-being is learning how to sit with yourself and be with yourself. And that that is actually like something you look forward to doing and that you don't always have to cloud your space and your noise. I mean, your life with other people, because sometimes we do that to distract ourselves from being with ourselves. But um, because we don't know how to deal with whatever comes up when we are with ourselves. But I say that that's just an opportunity to um, to to then process through some of those things. But yeah, this is, um, yo, I'm labeling this Hawkeye shout out to mental health, I, to mental wellness, to overall well-being. Um, I am not an expert per se. I'm just telling you my journey. And I think that the more that we are transparent and authentic about how we have navigated through certain portions of life. We give other people the freedom and the permission to to um, to discover those things for themselves as well. So yeah, this is the first episode. I look forward to the guests that we're going to have on the show next week. Actually, next week's guest, oh, she's amazing. Um, she's, she's definitely family, but she's one of the dopest therapists I know. So I look forward to you guys being able to uh, meet hurt so like i said if you have any questions comment if today's episode resonated with you maybe you want to share some of your own journey with me by all means hit me up dm me on on the instagram page email me let's talk about how we are continuing to take care of our own mental health because if we're not good for ourselves we're not good for anybody thank you for tuning in to today's episode on sharpen her iron Go ahead and like this, share it with a friend, and subscribe to our podcast for more conversations with dope women. If you want to stay connected, you can follow me on Instagram at the Queen Liana. You can email us at sharpenheriron at gmail.com. Engage with us. Let us know what you think about the show. And for all upcoming events Sharpen Her Iron related, go ahead and visit our website, sharpenheriron.com. 